welcome to Disciple Making Mama, a podcast to encourage, inspire, and equip you to make disciples in your home and in the world. Hello and welcome to Disciple Making Mama again. It is yet another afternoon nap time. All three kids are in bed and sleeping. We just had a huge thunderstorm and it's actually uncharacteristically cold for South African summer here at the moment. And I'm kind of cuddled up here on the couch. I just had a really good morning because after some very challenging days with the kids, my mom-in-law took care of my oldest daughter and I only had the two young ones here in the morning and I could really focus especially on Ayumu, my middle boy, and play with him one-on-one and just spend some special time with him and just, yeah, be a bit more um, relaxed, not having three little people buzzing around me but only two and Nanya sleeping a lot still being very small she's gonna turn three months in a week's time so she's yeah still a sleepy baby and yeah that's just been really good for me because um had you asked me just a few days ago how I'm doing I would have said I am utterly overwhelmed the kids are pushing all my buttons I <laughs> I had one day where um, the kids broke a window while I was just feeding Nanya for a few minutes in another room. Then Ayumu bit his tongue and um, one of them pulled Nanya off the couch so that she actually had a, a little bump on her head and was quite upset. And I was quite upset about that and it was just really overwhelming and then I I of course felt really bad I felt like I'm a failure as a mom <laughs> haven't we all felt that and um really just cried out to the Lord and said Lord what what shall I do I don't know what I shall what I can do I'm kind of at the end of my capacity and then that night in the middle of the night as I was feeding Nanya he gave me this idea of asking my mom-in-law if she could take care of Fuka so that um, I can spend some one-on-one time or yeah, kind of one-on-two time, but especially some time with Ayumu who really seems to need special attention at the moment. Otherwise, he's acting out. And yeah, within two days that was arranged and I just feel so much better And I want to encourage you, whether you are a mom, I think um, some some of you are not moms yet, Um, whatever your circumstances are, if you feel overwhelmed, ask for help. I am not a personality that, or a a temperament, (laughs) as we'll be talking about in this episode, I'm not a, a person that finds it easy to ask for help and then I can get very overwhelmed and then I can actually be really hindered in obeying Jesus and doing the things that I sense him calling me to do 
and yeah, because I'm just so overwhelmed. And yeah, I want to encourage you, if you feel overwhelmed, whatever it may be, and I know especially in these times of um, isolation, of uncertainty, of different work rhythms, and a lot of us working more at home, a lot of us having actually more work um, than we would usually have, having less time to... Um, spend time with friends or recuperate or go to church or have worship events where we sing with other people all these things could, that can fill our cup again and increase our capacity I know we're all having less of that at the moment and I want to encourage you to ask for help when you feel overwhelmed because um, number one it is a very good thing to overcome our pride and ask other people for help, especially if it's within the body of Christ. Jesus did not um, want us to, to be self-sufficient, but he wants his people to be interdependent. Let's ask for help and be interdependent. But then also, as we do that, um, that frees up capacity to actually do what Jesus is calling us to do in his work, in his harvest. And yeah, that is why I'm actually feeling quite fresh and excited to be talking to you this afternoon. And I'm going to be speaking a bit about temperament today, um, or actually more... <laughs> Let me start the sentence again. I'm reading a book at the moment um, called... Spirit Controlled Temperament by Tim LaHaye. It is a um, a modern classic for Christians. Um, I've not finished it yet, so I cannot tell you if I recommend it yet. But already just um, beginning to read it has made me think a lot about discipleship. So I just want to share some thoughts about that. Because as we disciple people, it is very, very important that we keep in mind two things. Number one, we are all called to obey the same Lord, the same Holy Spirit, and the same Bible. There are no exceptions based on personality, based on history or circumstances. Everybody who claims to follow Jesus must obey him. But number two, we are all different. And discipleship happens in the tension of those two truths, of those two realities, that the Bible is our standard and it is non-negotiable. And yet we are all different and therefore our response might look different. Our expressions of obedience might look very different. And it seems kind of obvious, but if we neglect either of those realities, of those truths, we will become either very legalistic, very cookie cutter in our discipleship. We will expect everybody who we disciple to be the same and probably be like us. And we can become very religious in our discipleship, very much focused on just outward expressions and conformity 
as we disciple people. And that that ha will happen if we overemphasize that first reality that we're all called to obey the same Lord, the same Holy Spirit, and the same Bible. And there's uh, also a real danger of controlling the people who we disciple if we overemphasize this. If we think, um, well, the Bible is the truth and it's the word of God and I am responding to the Bible in this way and therefore everybody else must respond in the same way and we can be very tempted to control people then and kind of act as their Holy Spirit. But the second danger is that we can become kind of licentious. Sorry, I am not an English first language speaker, so I think sometimes I am, I pronounce words in a very funny way. But you know that we that we give license if we say, well, we're all different. Um, Jesus says uh, we should not lie, but well. I'm just a very creative person and you know I just exaggerate things I'm that's just how I am or um yeah something that I've actually recently been really convicted about is um we're also different in our cultures in our cultural uh, background in the upbringing that yeah was influenced by our culture and as a german um <laughs> We have certain words that English speakers would consider bad language. And I was kind of proud recently when my husband pointed out to me that he thinks that I'm actually, um, you know, using bad language. And I was like, no, I'm I'm different than you. I'm a German. In, our, in my culture, in my world, it is not a bad word. It is not a sign of bad character if I use this word to describe a bad situation and yeah then I was very convicted by reading um I forgot now what I read I think I read Philippians no I read Colossians Colossians 3 um where Paul says you know you shouldn't use foul language and then I was very convicted to not use my differentness as an excuse to not obey the Bible. So if we overemphasize, well, we're all different, we all obey in different ways, then um, yeah, we could actually become disobedient because we give ourselves license based on our difference and we can be tempted to allow the flesh to rule us or us or the people we disciple and not the unchanging word of God or his spirit. And that is especially a danger in our postmodern times where truth is considered subjective and where even we as Christians are very influenced by that as we read the Bible and we can be tempted to think that something is just, um, you know, what's true for me is not true for you or what's true for you is not true for me. And um, yeah, we have to be aware of that yes we are different but we're all called to obey the same lord the same holy spirit and the same bible there are no exceptions based on personality history or circumstances so yeah why is this 
important as we disciple people. Let me maybe illustrate this with one example. A colleague of mine in Japan was a lovely Christian and she was a Christian since her childhood. Her parents were Christians and she was therefore mainly discipled by her mom. And this colleague of mine was a very free-spirited but quiet and thoughtful and introverted personality. She needed a lot of time by herself. She needed to think through things. She couldn't just speak quickly and um, explain things, say whatever was on her heart, but she kind of needed time to express those things, kind of get in touch with her emotions, get in touch with what she what she actually thought, and then she could communicate that. And her mother was a go-getter kind of personality, very extroverted, very um, quick to talk, quick to um, share her opinion, quick to teach, quick to tell other people what to do. And when my colleague was discipled by her mother, who obviously had a very different personality than she, she was given the impression that she was not a good Christian because she did not engage with people in the same way her mother did. And because she wasn't such a driven, high achiever, type A kind of personality. In her case, in, in this discipleship relationship, temperament was mistaken for character. Only an extroverted, go-getter type of person was considered a good Christian in this discipleship relationship because that was the kind of personality that the discipler had, the person who was discipling my colleague. And the result was that my colleague was left thinking that she was not good enough or that she was failing as a follower of Jesus, whereas reality was that she was simply not her mom. She had a different temperament. She was a different person. What went wrong here? Obviously, the mother did not hold these two realities that I've been talking about in a healthy tension as she was discipling her daughter. She expected her daughter to express her obedience to Jesus's word and spirit in the exact same way as she herself did. In other words, she didn't recognize the difference between temperament, character, and personality. And this is where, where I'm now very um, influenced and inspired by this book that I mentioned at the beginning, The Spirit-Controlled Temperament by Tim LaHaye. So the definitions and so on that I'm going to give you now, they're not my, I didn't come up with them. <laughs> I'm not that smart, but um, Tim LaHaye came up with them. And I thought as I read it, wow, this is maybe helpful as we disciple people to keep these um, definitions in mind. So I've just been talking about temperament, character, and personality. So let me give you the definitions that Tim LaHaye gives. So he defines temperament as the combination of inborn traits that subconsciously affect all our behavior. So that's whether we're 
introverted or extroverted? Are we very driven? Are we very harmonizing? Are we very eager to please people? Are we very visionary? And we we always, you know, think about the future, the possibilities, the opportunities. Or are we very cautious? Are we um, very focused on on details and structures and so on? Those are inborn traits that very often subconsciously we're we're not constantly aware of them affect our behavior and everybody is born with a certain kind of temperament and yeah as i as i shared just in in this example my my colleague obviously had a very very different temperament than her mother but then tim lehay also speaks about character so the temperament is not all that makes us us and it is also not an excuse for any behavior so the character is the real you or what the bible calls the hidden person of the heart for example in 1 peter 3 verse 4 we're we're told as women to adorn the hidden person of the heart that's that's our character and it is this character is the result of natural traits modified by for example childhood training by education and beliefs by principles and motivations and of course by discipleship so character is a a kind of a, a modified version of you or or no let me say it like that it is kind of the sum of of many influences and beliefs in your life or in another way you could say it is the real you when no one is around kind of the the essence of what you believe of what you value of what you think of what you feel that hidden person of the heart is character and then we also have a personality the personality is kind of the face that you show to the world it's an outward expression of yourself that may or may not be the same as your character depending on how genuine you are and that is why um yeah we we would say for example a, a person's character is really what matters because you can you know you can display a lot of things in your personality but is it is it true is it is it the real you because personality can be a pleasing facade for an unpleasing or weak character and i think you see where this why this differentiation can be helpful when we disciple people we are interested in shaping their character their inner person of the heart according to the timeless and absolute truths of god's word and this should then find its expression in their personality in the face that they show to the world and as they mature in their walk with god their character and their personality so their inner self and their outer self kind of what 
their their true self and what they are willing to show to the world should line up more and more. They should, and we should, as we grow in our work with Jesus, have integrity, you know, that the inside and the outside is the same. Discipling people or helping them mature in Christ is not only about making people behave in a certain way, to talk in a certain way, to display a certain Christian attitude to the people around them. So it is not our goal to create a Christian personality per se. It is our goal to help people develop a Christian character that will then be expressed in their personality. We're not only interested in outward behavior, we're interested in real inner change, renewing of the mind that then expresses itself in behavior. Because if if we only focus on the on the outside, we are doing exactly what Jesus criticized in the Pharisees. They were all about appearing religious, following the law to the letter, while their hearts were actually often still very haughty, very self-righteous and cold towards God and people. And their personalities might have looked pious, but their characters, their hidden self, their motives, and yeah, their real self when no one is around, were not in love and humble submission to God. That's something we have to to be careful of when we disciple people, that we we are aware that that there are those two, two things. There's the character and there's the personality. Uh, there's, maybe we can even say there's the heart and then there's, you know, the outer appearance. And we know God is interested in the heart, not in the outer appearance. And therefore our discipleship should be focused on the heart. I hope I'm not confusing you with these terms and differentiations. Um, maybe if if you just want to dig into this a little bit more, go and read that book or even just the definitions of Tim LaHaye. Um, they're not strictly from the Bible, although I think they're in line with the Bible. And we see Jesus and the apostles interact with people in a way that shows an understanding of these different aspects of a person, even if they might not have done so consciously. I think Jesus did so consciously, but maybe not the apostles. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, anyways, in the New Testament, it is very clear that God is interested in a believer's character and that there should not be a discrepancy between their character, their hidden person of the heart, and their personality, the face that they show to the world. But it is also very clear that not everybody is expected to have the same temperament. I think we see that very much in, in Jesus, yeah, interacting with different people in, in different ways, treating them as yeah, unique people with different temperaments. And yeah, we also see it then in, in his followers. Paul, for example, 
writes very differently to Timothy and to Titus. Timothy seems to have been a bit more of a, of a feeler, while we can guess from reading between the lines that Titus might have been more task-focused and more confident. Both were discipled by Paul, and he calls both of them my true son in the faith. But he does not expect them to be the same person. He does not um, rebuke either of them for being who they are in their temperament. He doesn't say, man, Titus, get a bit more emotional. You're just asking me these kind of task-focused questions of how to appoint um, leaders and what to do. Come on, be a bit more of a feeler. He doesn't write that. He also doesn't say to Timothy, man, just get over yourself. He says, hey, I see that you have some insecurities. Remember this. Remember you've been given a gift. Use that gift. Don't let anyone look down on you, but be an example to them. So he interacts with them, keeping their temperament in mind and not rebuking that, uh, rebuking them for the way they are according to their temperament. So to summarize, in discipleship, we want to understand the temperament of the person we're discipling because depending on their temperament they will have certain strengths and certain weaknesses and also certain tendencies and temptations and that's really good to just know this person is this kind of temperament they will be tempted to be very works oriented or they will be tempted to be a bit indulging, or they will be tempted to get very angry and sin in their anger, or they'll be tempted to uh, not care about things at all because they're a bit, you know, oh, kind of easygoing. So it is really good for you as you're discipling somebody and also thinking about yourself to just know what kind of temperament is that person and what does that mean for yeah their lives for their responses to my questions as i'm discipling them to their responses to the bible as we read the bible together secondly we want to we want the people who we disciple to have their character their so their you know, that hidden person of the heart, the thoughts, the motives and true inner selves grow more and more into the likeness of Christ. So their temperament is not going to change. That It can be modified, it can be controlled, but it's not going to change. An extrovert is not going to suddenly become this very... Um, meditative quiet person who just thrives on spending time in the desert <laughs> alone and that's that's okay they don't they don't have to change but their character their inner self the hidden person of their heart that should grow more and more into the likeness of Christ and then thirdly we want to address where their character and their personality don't match. 
where their inner self and what they portray to the people around them don't line up. And that can mean that we help them get rid of wrong beliefs. Maybe they believe, like my colleague, that you're only a good Christian if you're an extrovert. So they try so hard to be extroverted, but actually they're not. And as we disciple them, we can say, we can, you know, speak into that and we can explain these differences to them that they were made by God to have a certain temperament. And if that temperament is introverted, they, they don't have to become an extrovert. And yeah, they can, they can find a lot of freedom in that, actually discover their, their gifts in the kingdom of God through, yeah, in that freedom a lot more easily. It can also mean that we have to over, help them to overcome shame. Maybe, you know, they're, they're ashamed because they aren't obeying Jesus. Their characters are not right before God but they put up this facade this personality of a person who is um, different who's obeying God and as we disciple them we can speak into that discrepancy we can help them overcome that and yeah help them on the journey of their character and their personality lining up more and more their character becoming more like Jesus, and then that being displayed to the people around them. It can yeah, also mean that we help them overcome sin, where yeah, their characters are tainted by sin. Or it can mean that we, we inform them. It, it can be yeah, the reason for a discrepancy between kind of the inner and the outer self can be ignorance that they either they're not self-aware many people are actually just yeah not not self-aware that they portray something to the world that they're not and that can be really challenging in a discipleship relationship to to address that but I think it is necessary to to be truthful with each other I'm thinking of a a guy that my husband and I were discipling who just really wanted to be an evangelist and he kind of put up this um yeah personality of evangelist you know this outward appearance of evangelist but actually neither his um temperament nor his gifting nor in a way his his character lined up with that and and that that created an awkwardness and then we yeah we we spoke with him about that um and said hey why why do you believe you you have to put up this facade that you're you're something that you're not and yeah then in conversation we could um help him even just realize that I don't know if I'm making sense, but I think you're you're kind of getting <laughs> what I'm trying to say. Anyways, those are the yeah the three ways that that we can use these um, this this 
model, this idea of Tim LaHaye of um, temperament, personality and character as we disciple people. And now it can be hard to, to keep all of these things in mind. And you don't always, every time you meet with a person you're discipling, you don't always have to check oh, who is their character and their personality lining up. Um, what is their temperament? Are they now um, responding according to their temperament? Do they have to be challenged? Do they? Now, it can be hard to keep all of these things in mind as we disciple somebody. And this is why I like the principles of discovery Bible study so much that I've been talking to you about in some previous episodes. So if you're new to this podcast and you don't know what I'm talking about, go and check out the episodes on discovery Bible study, which I think is a really simple, practical, deep um, method that we can use as we disciple people. Do we have to use it every time? Do we have to use it in a legalistic way? No. But I think the questions that are asked during a discovery Bible study are just um, so helpful in helping people grow in their walk with Jesus, in their maturity in Christ, but also they help us to address these things that I've just been talking about. Using questions like, what does this passage say specifically about God and people, helps us to not focus only on the unique person in front of us. As I said, to keep in mind that the word of God is true and it's the same for everybody. And we're all called to obey the same Lord, the same Holy Spirit and the same Bible there are no exceptions based on personality, history, or circumstances. And if we start talking about a Bible passage by asking, what does this passage actually say? Let's retell it. And then what does it say about God? What does it say about people? It helps us to dig into this um, objective truth, this unchanging truth and can lay a foundation for our obedience. It builds up knowledge and understanding about God and the world in the people that we disciple. And it builds up this objective truth in, in their minds. And this is especially important, as I said, in our postmodern day and age where we can be tempted to skip this, or especially also as when we're discipling people who maybe grew up with the Bible, maybe even grew up in a Christian family, grew up in church, we can be tempted to skip this, to skip these questions. But it is very important that we don't because we want them to grow in their knowledge and understanding of the word of God, of the objective truth that every believer is giving, is given. And I Again, I'm not talking about knowledge that puffs up here. They don't have to be able to quote stuff in the Greek or, um, you know, just become these walking Bible dictionaries. That's not the goal of this. 
but the goal is that they grow in their knowledge of God and his views. And if we neglect this, um, yeah, our, our discipleship, our conversations can lack foundation, a strong foundation, and can kind of become just a, you know, just talking about feelings and can become very um, self-focused, self-centered, instead of being built on the objective truth of the word of God. And then also through that being focused on Jesus. But then we don't stop there. Too many Bible studies stop there. Oh, what, what do we learn from this? What do we learn from this? It's all in the mind. But we, uh, we continue asking the question, what speaks to you? What speaks into your temperament? And then most importantly, how is the Holy Spirit convicting you to respond to what we've just read together? How can you obey, you who has been made with this specific temperament in these specific circumstances? How will you obey this? And yeah, this is where different temperaments will respond very different, differently, which is beautiful because it gives an expression of the multifacetedness of Christ. You know, Jesus, we are the body of Christ here on earth. And Jesus chose to allow people to um, display him to the world through the prisma of their various temperaments. He doesn't just change us when we receive the Holy Spirit to all have one temperament, but we keep our temperaments. And then as we're being refined by the Holy Spirit, by the word of God, we are reflecting him to the world, but still kind of through that, yeah, through that prism of our um, temperament. And yeah, again, of course, this must be rooted in the word of God and moved into action by his spirit. This is again where it comes into play that it is good to know the temperament of the person who we are discipling, that we can also see, oh, is, you know, is there just a tendency in this temperament, for example, to be very works oriented. And if we see this person is just responding again and again in a way of, oh, I'm gonna, you know, do this. I'm gonna work for God. I'm gonna, um, yeah, j j you know what I'm, what I mean, you know, just be very works oriented. And if we see that is their temperament, we can address that in the discipleship relationship. And we can say, hey, I see that you, you seem to always respond to the Bible in, in a, very works kind of way. Oh, I read this, so I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, you know, do the work of God. And that is not necessarily wrong, but we can show them, hey, this is also your temperament. So just listen again. Is this really what the Holy Spirit is telling you? Or is he actually telling you something else? 
because sometimes our temperament can almost um yeah affect what we think we hear God saying to us yeah and as I'm yeah as I'm sharing all of this with you and as we're still in this situation where um we have various restrictions with COVID all over the world where meetings are restricted where a lot of you have not been able to attend church or um discipleship groups cell groups in a way that yeah you've been used to i want to just yeah use this as a as a reminder um that there are also that there are various ways in which we can grow in our walk with jesus and in which we can help other people grow we are not dependent on big meetings we're not dependent on the government allowing christians together we have the word of god we have his spirit and therefore we can make disciples and yeah i've been speaking a lot about discovery bible study now i've been speaking about um, having discipleship relationships and i want to just encourage you again to ask god Who is there in your life that you can disciple? I want to encourage you to, to reach out to that person. And yeah, Discovery Bible Study is also something that can be done in a phone call, in a video call, in yeah, in most countries where we're still allowed to meet one-on-one, -on -one, even if we might have to keep a meter and a half distance or have to meet outside or whatever it may be. But I want to encourage you. At the beginning of this year, look for someone that you can help grow in their walk with God. And yeah, I've addressed this in, in previous episodes, how to find somebody, how to approach somebody. Um, yeah, just want to bring that back to your attention again and want to encourage you, just go for it. Um, make disciples, help somebody else to grow in Jesus, to reflect him to the world through the prism of their unique temperament, but also to yeah, grow in their character, that their inner self would become more and more um, an image of Christ, more and more like Christ, and that their personality, what they show to the world, um, would become more and more a true reflection of their character that's being remade into the image of Christ. So yeah, God bless you as you do that. And talk to you next week. Bye-bye.